Welcome to Lawler Out Loud, and thank you for listening. I'm your host, Christy Lawler, and this podcast focuses on highlighting the amazing men and women that make a difference in the world, and we hope to prove that every single person has the power to make a difference and make an impact. Today's guest is Kate Eisler. So first, Kate, let me thank you for joining us and sharing your your story and your vast experiences and all of your ideas on how to make the world a better place. It is my pleasure. I'm thrilled to be here today. I'm honored to have you. I admire you. And even though we've never met in person, I feel like we're kind of kindred spirits. (laughs) It's true. I I think I think we're soul sisters. and I, but I say that to a lot of people because I kind of want to be friends with everybody in the world if they'll let me. Um, so that's my little <laughs> disclosure. But um, I would love for everyone to learn more about you and whether it's like your childhood, your education, your occupation now versus formerly, because that's an interesting story. Um, and, and the way you benefit the world through your work, because I find you to be such a fascinating and incredibly powerful woman. And I'm in total awe and admiration of you. Oh my gosh. I don't think I can live up to that. Yes, Um, you can. You already have. (laughs) But, and and I'm thrilled to be your friend. I like that. So, um, let me take, so a little bit about me. Um, I grew up in the hospitality business, and I always laugh about this. I grew up in hotels. My father was an innkeeper for Holiday Inns. And so many people think Heloise immediately, not Mm -hmm. even close. So Holiday Inn is not that. Um, And so I actually lived in hotels until I was about 11. So never outside of one. So that was kind of a weird childhood. And we actually lived in the hotels. Actually lived on the property. Wow, that's and, fascinating. Yeah, in a straight line, kind of, because we had a suite. And if you think about, you know, these were motels, so the doors open to the outside. Mm-hmm. And so I lived in a straight line because my parents' room was on one side, there was a living room, and then my sister and I. Wow. So it's kind of a weird. <laughs> so, so yeah, there's, there's a story there. But as I grew up, um, I picked Seattle on a map and ended up um, through a couple sort of odd jobs and weird things, ended up working in technology for about 200 years as it really got started. (laughs) (laughs) um, It felt like that. But most of my time actually started in Seattle. And then I lived overseas for most of my career. So I lived in really highly desirable places for women like the Middle East and Central Asia and Africa. Yeah. Those were super easy and really fun. And along the way, um, married, had th- have three sons and ended up coming back to the U.S. doing a global job. So traveling all the time. And a friend moved here from Europe and reminded me about International Women's Day and said, why don't we celebrate it in the U.S.? And this was six years ago. And since then, I have started a nonprofit to acknowledge and celebrate women. And we host Seattle's premier International Women's Day. And that organization is called Be Bold Now. Which I absolutely love. And I would so love to do anything I can ever to benefit (laughs) your work because I think it's amazing because obviously I've devoted a significant portion of my company's time to developing and empowering women just because I don't I don't have daughters 
you don't right. have daughters. But I think it's very important that we raise our sons to recognize that they should always be looking for ways to build the women in their lives. Right? 100%. Absolutely. And I think, you know, one of the one of the things that motivates me, and, and that's where you and I connected on that support and connecting mm-hmm. and celebrating women, because, you know, we are 50% of the population. Yeah. And we are not represented that way. And I think that there is, you know, we can dig back and look into history and why and the causes of that. But today, we have an opportunity to change those things. And I think, you know, one of the one of the pieces that, you know, coming from technology, I'm a, a little bit of a data freak, and I love to sort of ground things in fact. Mm-hmm. And so we have built our organization on the World Economic Report on the Gender Gap. And so we use that as a guiding principle. And so, you know, one of the things that we do is try and educate people on where we are. Mm-hmm. And you know, the U.S. is a developed economy. We're the richest nation in the world. And, you, you know, you kind of go through that. But we are so far behind with gender equity on baseline pillars. And so there are four pillars that the World Economic Report studies every year and reports on from 153 countries. So pretty vast. Um, the U.S. ranks 51st oh, in that God, list. That's awful. And that is across education, healthcare, politics, and economic parity. But it gets worse, unfortunately. Um, Our education is pretty good. You know, we're pretty much at parity up to secondary school. And in fact, in college, 57% of the awarded bachelor level degrees were to women last year. So congratulations on that. Yeah, Yeah. it's great. But then when you look at um, political empowerment and representation, we are 86th in that list of 150 countries. My God, that's insane. Yeah, less than 22% of our uh, minister level, so House and Senate level positions are filled by women. Mm. And we were also um, very low on the economic scale. So we run about 71st in economic parity. So all of the women we have um, lots of women in the workforce because mm-hmm. they're, you know, and certainly right now, essential jobs, we're seeing that, but lots of women work, but the wage disparity is so dire that mm-hmm. um, there's an estimate that it will be 257 years before we reach wage parity. Jeez, that's just disturbing. Right. So that's kind of, so if we, if we start with that lens and think, Gosh, you know, there's so much work to do mm-hmm. and there's so much education and, you know, it is not, um, it's just, we all need to be aware to make a change. And that's what my mission is. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Cause I mean, <laughs> especially in a time like this, where we've got what I think it was what 25 or 26 million now have yeah. Americans have filed for unemployment. And I'm wondering like, how many of those are men and women? Um, because I haven't seen that information, but I also haven't looked for it. But I, with women that are still working, and if they have a male counterpart that's also an earner in the household, and they've lost their jobs, the fact that there's a wage disparity means that that family should be earning more than they are, period. Right. And it greatly reduces the ability for women to provide for their families. 
and you know, I'm in a sole earner house household right now because my husband just retired from the military. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those things where, yeah, he's got retirement, but I'm the breadwinner. Right. And I spent years doing that. Um, we are, my husband and I both, he does, he's a contractor now, so he mm-hmm. does work. And then, um, you know, running a nonprofit is not a very profitable exercise, yeah. but I'm hoping that it will get there. <laughs> but um, I will tell you that we've talked a lot about healthcare workers and they're in the news and 78% of healthcare workers are women. Yeah. Be- and they, that includes hospital workers and home healthcare workers. Yeah. And so we are on the front lines. And then you also take that into the essential jobs and the essential jobs are predominantly lower paying jobs that are, that are over 60% women. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the unemployment figures we could spend all day, I could dive into because I, you know, I think that now is the time we need to raise that up because yeah. we also, you know, we need to recognize those women, but we have an amazing opportunity for reset because, you know, I, I could get, I could spend all day being kind of depressed and give you stats that would make your heart stop about, you know, what's happening to women today. Mm-hmm. in this dire situation. But we are also right on the edge of, we have the opportunity to reset and restart our economy like never before. Oh yeah, absolutely. And Yeah. And what if we did it in a gender balanced way? Which I think is the only way to do it. But I mm-hmm. realize that there's a lot more that goes into it than being like, yeah, why not? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, if you look at the numbers, we, um, we could earn $12 trillion to GDP Which by having amazing. a gender balance. Yes. Isn't that crazy? And I mean, that's six times our, our stimulus. Right. That's, that's exactly right. A massive amount of number. It's a massive. And, and yeah. if you think about, you know, how, how this whole environment is changing us with the, you know, everyone working at home and everyone redefining what success means in business and ways Mm -hmm. to get things done. This to me is our big opportunity to realign and reset and say, listen, you know, working remotely and working not a nine to five job lends itself to a much more balanced workforce. Yeah. So let's do it. (laughs) And we need that. We need that anyway. Exactly. Um, So don't get me started on that. I could go on forever. Oh, girl. (laughs) You and I could just talk offline for hours, I'm sure, about this, because this is obviously something I'm very passionate about, and, like, I, I'm just one of those people where I'm like, if it doesn't work for everybody, it doesn't work at all, right? Right. This yep. is my perspective. So I want to figure out a way to make something work for everyone. Like, mm-hmm. everyone's a stakeholder in every possible discussion, right? Yep. So I'm curious, because... I want you to kind of dive into your process because I, I'm going to ask you about where you discovered your inspiration and that relates to what you're doing now, but coming from where you were, and I want people to know where you were before and what you were doing so that they can understand that when you left that environment and created a new environment, where that inspiration started, you know? Sure. Um, you know, I worked in technology for Microsoft and Microsoft is a very competitive male oriented 
climate. Yeah. You know, I mean, that that's the corporate culture. That is what it is. And, you know, I stepped into that without really, I, I don't think I really understood that. I was taught very quickly what that meant and what it had, you know, what you have to do to survive. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I grew up in the day of technology where it you were hired because of the way you thought and your energy and your creativity and your willingness to work hard. Mm-hmm. And so I was a little bit Pollyanna and thought, oh, gosh, that's going to take me through. And I went to Microsoft before I was a college graduate. It, I just sort of happened on this job and I started and it didn't seem to matter. And so there I was. And a, um, a man that worked on a, for an outside vendor that I worked for joined the company and ended up being my boss. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't respect him a lot. Uh, you know, a couple of years later, there was a big announcement that he was got a big promotion and was moving to Paris. And mm-hmm. I thought, if he can do that, I can do that. I mean, what the heck? Right. (laughs) So I raised my hand and said, I want to do that. And so before I knew it, I had a discussion with someone who said, great, how about in the Middle East? And I'm like, wait, wait, wait. I have a husband who has a job and I have a a two-year-old baby. And no, come on. I wanted Paris, Australia. Let's be reasonable. And this (laughs) was 1993. And so it was just after the first Gulf War. Yeah. And so before I knew it, I talked to my husband into doing that. And there we went. <laughs> so we went to Dubai and spent three years there. We went um, and lived in London and I worked in Africa. And, you know, what I learned from that, it really interestingly enough, is how powerful women are behind the scenes in yeah. all of these cultures that are male dominated, very masculine, very, you know, um, male driven outwardly are mm-hmm. actually there is such an underpinning of really the women are, are driving the boss at home yeah and they set the climate they are so powerful and so strong that they were so inspiring to me in these cultures I was fascinated and you know coming into this very masculine corporate culture and then being faced with you know when i would look at the local situation it was so vastly different that i was always intrigued by that and you know as i lived in a house full of boys mm-hmm. i kind of went through that process and it was like oh gosh they're everywhere and i was always faced with people asking me you know, with questions that they would never ask males that were expat males, breadwinners. And, and it was a big deal, you know, and I give my husband a ton of credit for being a house husband, mm-hmm. you know, 25, 30 years ago when no one was in. What, and he, the, he didn't work. Sorry. He did not work. Okay. He did not work. He couldn't work because you couldn't get visas that way. Yeah. And Okay. Um, I couldn't actually, when we first started our overseas, our expat life, um, I couldn't sponsor his visa or my son's in, Mm. in the country. So they had to leave every 60 days for a week, uh for a week, for a while. Why Um, couldn't you sponsor them? Because I was female. You are kidding. (gasps) No, no. And the thing, you know, the things that you have to understand about some of these countries. I was afraid that was going to be your answer, by the way. Yeah. So, you know, 
in the Gulf, in the Middle East, lots of these countries are privately owned countries. And I, you have to wrap your head around that and go, they are not a, you know, nobody votes and they don't, they have a royal family that decides things. They're, mm-hmm. you know, that's the way it is. And so, you know, you change is a, is a different process to change there. And mm-hmm. living within those parameters is different. And so, you know, I, I learned what I was in for. And I had some amazing experiences with both women and men and learned a tremendous amount. But the fact was I had to live within the law. And so um, my husband and son would have to leave. And finally, um, Microsoft ended up having to give him an employment contract for zero wages just so he could stay in the country. Wow. So that he could have a bank account because I could have a bank account on my own but I couldn't let him in on it because I didn't have that ability as a woman. Wow. But, this you know, keep crazy in mind. to me, yeah. But I want to contrast that for just a second and say, you know, it has only been since 1975 that women have been able to write checks, married yeah. women, and have their own bank accounts without their husbands on it in yeah. this country. Yeah. And so as scandalized as we are, we have to remember um, the drinking age in the U.S. was different for men and women until 1972. Oh, I didn't know that. Men could drink at 18, women not till 21. Fascinating. Yeah. I did not so, know that. Yeah. So, you know, when I, I, and I think, so, you know, as I, as I kind of went through the world and learned these things and was like, huh, and then came home to, oh, clearly we're much better. We're different than that. And realized, oh, wait a minute. Maybe not that much better. I mean, that the seven, 1975, come on. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. crazy. And so, but, you know, and, and going through that process really did, as you, as you said, you know, inspired me to what more could we do and what's underneath, you know, I recognize also that my um, career and my success was unique and I'm, absolutely proud of it and I realized that not everyone has that opportunity and so going through that and learning you know I'm um, fairly stubborn so I don't give up very easy (laughs) (laughs) I can relate to that (laughs) and I'm a little bit like who says I can't do that I'm gonna prove them (laughs) wrong that's exactly and so I kind of did that Um, we moved six times internationally and my husband was very accommodating and wonderful and raised our children for the most part yeah Yeah, it's 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 interesting and even now I know I remember uh my husband called me and he was like I got a funny story you want to hear a funny story and I'm like always (laughs) I'm like he's like well so I took the boy to boys to the grocery store today and I'm sitting there shopping and this was right like over spring break or something. So a week before mm-hmm. everything shut down for COVID and he had the two boys in the grocery store. And of course they're just running around picking out stuff and he's an Aldi. So it's a small store and a woman uh-huh. approached him and was like, uh, you're doing the grocery shopping. And he's like, uh-huh. He's like, I'm going to blow your mind right now. I'm also a stay at home dad. Cause my wife works. <laughs> And she's like, what? He's like, yeah, I, I do the dishes, the laundry. I do all the things. I do the grocery shopping. My wife's out of town on business. 
He's like, it's going to get better when you see my kids run around the corner helping me with the grocery. <laughs> and he's like, he's like a unicorn because especially in our community where like a significant portion of the women are the, are the stay-at-home workers or it's dual incomes. There are very few men that are the stay-at-home parents. And yep. he's like, he's like, oh my God. He's like, it's so much easier to be a stay-at-home dad than a stay-at-home mom. He's like, people come and try to help you. One lady like offered me a recipe. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. Oh, oh yes. I um, actually had a teacher approach me one day at school. Um, one of, you know, at a school thing that mm-hmm. approached me and said, oh my gosh, about my youngest son. He does have a mother. We always wondered about that. Oh, that's so which was, nice. Oh gosh. And women are the worst to women. Yeah, And it was all I could do to bite my tongue. But I did ask her, how many fathers do you know of your students? Yeah. And she just and looked at me. Say? She, uh, well, and I said, exactly. You know, we, you know, we have a relationship that, you know, a parent and a, there's a primary parent and he's very involved in the school and he knows all the kids and you know him well. Yeah. And that just doesn't have to be me. Yeah because of the gender I am. So it can be anyone. And I also, um, my kids used to roll their eyes. I was like the big joke sometimes because my husband knew the school systems and I didn't. And when we were at an international school in Germany, they had this weird system where they do blue days and um, red days and they took different things and wore different clothes and blah, blah, blah. And so when he would go somewhere, he went skiing one time and we had a purple week. So everybody took everything to school, both the red days and blue days, because it's like, mom's here, so we're having a purple week, because I have no idea what's happening. That's funny. Yeah, I just had to accept it and let that go and go, I have other skills. I have other skills. He's better at that than me. So it's good. Oh, yeah. My husband's doing the schooling right now with the boys every day, because one, he's retired. Um, and I'm working and two, Mm -hmm. he's way better at it. And two, it's actually (laughs) number one, because I'm acutely aware of my weaknesses as well as my strengths. And I don't possess in any, any percentage of the patience that he does. (laughs) I had to start school with the boys this morning and I was like, oh my God, they're annoying. (laughs) I don't know how he does it every day. But he creates like arts and crafts and science projects. He's doing the whole gamut. So I, I'm just like, okay, some people are cut out better than others. And it's not a gender specific trait. It's I was just gonna say it's not. No. It's a person specific. And thank goodness we yeah. have found our our partners to I be know. those people. <laughs> thank you. I know, I know. Yeah, he's never expected more of me than I'm able to give. And I appreciate that because that's that in and of itself is a pretty magical statement when you can make mm. it about your life partner. Um, yeah. Because it, it can get really, really hard, especially in completely different and weird circumstances like we're all facing right now. There are challenges that are completely unforeseen and don't exist ever. And, and we have to tackle them as a team but part of the team effort is knowing which member of the team takes on which task. Mm-hmm. So absolutely. I love that your husband has been that guy 
because mm -hmm. that speaks to the caliber of the mutual respect in your relationship. And that's huge. And I, I hope everybody has that level because they're finding out now if they don't. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't even want to know what that's like. I'm pretty sure it's pretty contentious. <laughs> we have um, a two-story house. And so we've quadrant off during the day. I'm like, I'll stay upstairs in the office and you don't because we're both home. <laughs> and so, yeah, yeah, you have, it's boundaries that keeps us, you know, level. But, and I will say we have been married for 34 years. Crazy, isn't it? Congratulations. Yeah. Crazy. That means you've been through the shit and come out the other side smiling. Oh my God. We've been to a couple of times. Right? Well, 34 years, times. I would imagine. Yeah. At least so. Yeah. And six international moves and three kids. Yeah. So there you go. Uh -huh. Oh my gosh. So I'm curious because this is, this is such a unique experience that you and I share. Um, but do you have an example of a time that was a negative experience or a negative time in your life? where things just weren't going right, or you felt mentally or emotionally stuck, personal or professional, but now on the other side of it, surviving it, you look at it with a positive viewpoint because of what you've taken away or learned from it. Oh, gosh, lots of them. But I can tell you, um, one of the biggest ones recent, one of the, the biggest ones um, was... You know, working at Microsoft, I lived and breathed it. You know, it was my passion and I was felt so empowered and sort of on the front lines of bringing technology to lots of places in the world that didn't have it. And it was meaningful work and it was exciting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, through my, you know, career trajectory, you know, it's not always a straight line up. It's back and forth and personal, you know, things got in the way. And again, you know, having a relationship and three kids changes your life. Yeah. But I came back to the U.S. Um, and took a big job and worked with women, kind of for the first time. There were lots mm -hmm. of women around in this culture, and I was inspired and excited and quickly became disheartened oh. because there was such a sense of scarcity that had been created of mm -hmm. there's only room for a few women. <clears throat> yeah. And it was so hard and so competitive in terms of um, not working towards a goal, but working against your neighbor's success, you know, sort Which of. Which is gosh, such a hostile environment. Oh, my goodness. It was so terrible. And I just, um, my self-esteem, my confidence, everything sort of depleted. I was completely depleted. Yeah. And through and uh, you know through a process of I can't even begin to get up and go to work I left the company mm. after almost you know and I had I had come and gone from the company a couple times before but this was I left and was so disheartened by the whole thing that I it took me a couple of years to kind of come out of it I ran a startup that was a mess and got the same sort of sense of scarcity of you know, we don't really fund women that often. And it was a, you know, healthcare startup. And I had people say to me all the time, oh my gosh, this isn't a women's business. 
It's like, oh, you know, it's not design or fashion, weirdly enough. Yeah. It's a technology. And I was so disheartened. And, you know, that was, I closed the startup two years ago. And when I look back on all of that, I think, oh my gosh, I am so happy now because I really understand not only what it's like to work in a male culture and kind of navigate that in my earlier career, Mm-hmm. But now, you know, how important it is for women to work together yeah. and to support one another. That is not that we have to all agree. No. Uh, by any means. But we but have we to respect have each other. And support one another mm-hmm. against all odds, you know, sort of. And and it has taught me and it has it, it has transformed the way I look and think about other women and the ways to connect with other women and what I, sh- you know, how to engage with them. It's completely changed my outlook because I was, you know, I am a very extroverted, I'm, I got lots of energy and I want to, you know, kind of get out there and do stuff. And I was for probably three years silent, which is so unlike me. Yeah, absolutely. And it just took it. And so I think about that now and I think, gosh, you know, I draw on that when people say to me, you know, again, especially in this time, we're so depleted and we can't, it's like, okay, well, let's engage and let's talk and let's figure this out and let's figure out how, you know, how to lift your spirit at least and to fill you back with something because we are facing very difficult times. So, and that is men and women, but let's figure out how to lock arms and move forward. That's and great. not at the expense of one another. Yeah, no. We don't need yeah. to climb to the top by stepping on each other's backs as a ladder. Exactly. And I think that that is so often done. And I think that that was such a, um, you know, in, in my career, because I'm old, but my career. You're um, not old. That was the time. <laughs> that was the thing. You know, you, there was one seat at the table for a woman, you know, and now I'm like, bring your own chair. I'll move right. over. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, if there's not a seat at the table, bring your own chair. I love Uh that. Uh I think I learned that from you, actually. Yeah. 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 Because I'm sorry, go ahead. I say it every day to everyone I know, bring your chair, come on. Yeah, because I tell people like, uh, when you don't worry about thinking outside the box, focus your energy on building your your own box. Mm, And other people can jump into it once it's built. Sure. Just make it big enough. Yeah. Yeah. But why exactly. why try to worry about some box that someone has dictated for you? Worry about your own, right? Mm-hmm. You're the only person you have to live with your whole life. That is true, true, and you have to get up every day and look at the mirror. Yeah, which some mm-hmm. days are easier than others, especially, you know, non-covid times when you have your hair and your makeup and your nails done. Um, I don't know about you, but I'm not thrilled with this whole, you know, lack of maintenance issue. Oh my goodness. You forget how much we depend on that. Oh my God, girl, I have COVID feet and that's now a thing. I'm like, my pedicure is so beyond its expiration date. Uh I look, I look like Fred Flintstone at this point and I'm not loving it. Um, (laughs) but that was the hair. <laughs> oh God, for me, it's the hair, the feet, the hands, and the face. Like I need the facial, I need the mani, I need the petty, I need the hair, I need all of it. It's just that. Uh-huh. It's, oh. Like um, oh, yeah. 
So there's that. Um, but that was a really good answer to that question. And I love it. Um, but so be bold now. When did you start this foundation? So we started hosting International Women's Day in 2015. Okay. And then um, did not, you know, we kind of thought we'll get some people together and we'll go to Costco and buy some wine and some food and, you know, see, just have a discussion just to recognize it. So I got, I had an office in WeWork at the time. And so I got, you know, a little space and 80 people came and it was just from our, my social media. I'm like, okay, that was really fun. And, you know, they paid $5 for contributions to the wine and food. Great. And then um, the next fall, so International Women's Day is March 8th. And so the next fall, people started asking, what are you doing for International Women's Day? And, and my partner and I were like, what? What, are we, mm-hmm. what do you mean? And so we, you know, got together with another um, nonprofit organization in Seattle and said, gosh, if we rent a place, will you help us and you have event people? And they said, sure, this is really fun because some of them had come to the event. Yeah. And so we had 300 women. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> we was like, oh my goodness. And so in our euphoria, we were like, okay, well, we've got to start our, non- our own nonprofit. And so we did. And so in 2017, we became a 501c3. Okay. And so of our own. And so now we have um, our event is sort of that flagship thing that happens every year around March 8th. Generally, it's the Thursday before. Mm-hmm. Um, and we are over 500 women strong That's at that awesome. particular event. And what we do is very TED-like. You know, we feature women who have done bold things across the mm-hmm. pillars that I talked about for the World Economic Forum. Mm-hmm. And we just have them tell stories. And then we also now have expanded into what we call a take action program, which is creating a, a directory and referral of organizations in support of women or that are women owned mm-hmm. that um, fall under those pillars so that we can support these organizations because women always want to get involved. You know, there's, there's two yes. things happen. One is we tell one another stories. We find common ground immediately. Yeah. I mean, I can't always. And we, then the second thought is if she can do that, I can do that. Yeah. And so we try and get people to channel that into either donation of time, money, or materials, or patronage. You know, if you're going to buy something, wouldn't it be great if you supported a woman's business considering it is going to be 257 years before we have economic parity? Right? Exactly. So let's, you know, let's patronize women-owned businesses when possible and help each other. And so that's, we've kind of expanded into that. And then we've also moved into, um, we do what we call bold labs, which is really educating corporates and businesses on gender parity. And I stay away from diversity and inclusion because I think that those are HR terms that no one pays attention to. Mm. And so we work hard to teach people balance, mm-hmm. which is what we're always talking. We're about, you know, our population is pretty balanced, 50 to 50, 51. Yeah really so let's let's have that reflected in how we do business yeah and how we staff business because balance is an active motion I'm always having to balance when I walk when I ride a bike when I manage a budget yes so let's do it when we manage people and messaging and everything else so so we've expanded into that so we are in year um, six of International Women's Day but year 
three. Yeah. And you organization. You just had your anniversary too. We did. It was so fun. And it was right under the COVID. So we sold out the audience, but only about a third came. It was so sad, but it was okay. You know, we still empowered and celebrated women. Yeah. Well, and it's funny because now I'm in the situation. I just celebrated year two of Winnie being a 501. And year three of the Witty Conference is coming up in mm-hmm. September, as you know, as a speaker. I and I am going to wait until August to make a decision of whether to host or push. Because, gosh, I hope so. I really hope so. Because I have you and I have Susan Freeman and I have um, Chef Karen from Top Chef that's airing right now, All Stars. Um, as my speaker so I'm really excited about our lineup for our education and our development seminars this year but I don't know if it's going to happen and and I I I want it to happen of course because I think now more than ever we really need to come together Um, Mm -hmm. not just as women obviously this year but as humans having a human um a, just that experience of coming together and in a safe, supportive, really loving environment um, where we're building and cultivating our friendships and relationships. But if it's not safe or possible, then I push, I move it. And yeah, I don't care if I have to do that. I don't want to, but I will. Um, but it's a it's a very tricky time right now. But it's it's very interesting that, you know, you have you were able to have yours. That's awesome. And it was right before this blew up. But I recognize that yes, there are concerns out there, and somebody could be immunocompromised, and you don't see it on their face. It's not like they're wearing a sign around their neck or a message across their forehead. But they right. have to do their, their due diligence to protect themselves, their families, their extended families, and other people that they come into contact with. So that, that had to have been a hard decision for the women that couldn't attend to make that, dis- that choice. Because, you know, you really want to be there. And I'm one of those girls. Yeah. Like, I would want to be there. Yeah. And it was, you know, I felt okay about it. We were very close to the CDC and our King County health officials when we made the decision. Yeah. And I think it was the right decision at the time, but the good news is we have all the digital content and it's available. And so I, you know, want to also stress that we make that available and we have that available so Mm -hmm. that women, not only women who, you know, were supposed to be in the room, but everywhere can see that and kind of get a vision because my vision is that we celebrate international women's day everywhere. Yeah. And that we create the take action program so that you could go in and pick by community. Yeah. Wouldn't that be fabulous? I mean, it's brilliant to go. I'm in Houston and here, you know, here are the women owned businesses and here are the um, organizations and supportive women in my community that I can get engaged with. That that's my overall. I see that as being the sort of the end goal of our organization. Have you heard of the Female Founders Collective? Yep, and the Female Founders Alliance was started by a friend of mine. So those two are very in touch with me with that. 
Yeah, yeah. I, just, I just got into the Female Founders Collective a few weeks mm-hmm. back, and um, I, I want to learn about the Female Founders Alliance. This sounds like a good avenue, because obviously everything that I do as a woman-owned company also supports women. And right now, we really need to support all humans, all, mm-hmm. all women, and all families. Um, but I'm, I'm interested to just see how, how I can help more. Because I feel like I've done some things, but I haven't done enough yet. I'm not satisfied. Right. There's and always more. There's all exactly. And that's always mm-hmm. the thing. Like I'm, I'm like a snake eating its tail. There's always more to go. Right. <laughs> it never ends. Exactly. It's circular. Um, but I'm, I, I wonder, do you have any, with everything that you've experienced and everything that you've managed to create and do, do you have any regrets? Is there anything that you were like, Oh God, that just, no, no. But like you would change it then in spite of what you learned or anything you would change in the future? Yes, of course there is. You know, there's Hmm. regrets on, uh, you know, I wish that I had spoken up multiple times in my life where I didn't. I wish that I had made decisions faster. And I say that, you know, when I said, you know, leaving Microsoft was such a hard thing to do. I should have done it two years earlier. Really? Absolutely. And you know what? We women, we know in our hearts when things aren't right. And we are famous for going, we can make this better. Oh my God. We can change this. (laughs) You know, right? Specific trait. For sure. Oh my gosh. I should have said, nope, I'm out. Yeah. And I am always about, I'm always encouraging women. And men, but mostly women to go. When you are in that situation, if you can't make the decision, find your confidant, find a mentor, mentor, find a friend that will help you push you into what you know you should do. Yeah. Don't sit there because it just, that's such a hard thing for us because we're accommodating, we're, you know, we are relationship bound. Absolutely. And so we think we can make it better. And, you know, I can't stress enough. It never works that way. It never, I've never heard of it working that way temporarily. Yeah. But not for the long haul. And so, you know, from a a physical and certainly a mental health standpoint, I wish they could have changed that. And now it's interesting as I talk to my children and my husband and they go, oh yeah, you were a mess during that whole time. Yeah. Because I didn't, you know, I was unhappy and not thoughtful and, ugh, you know, I just think, oh, that was so not my best self. You know, and and I've I've been in that experience too. And that really, I can totally relate to that um, Mm -hmm. because it's one of those things where I wasn't happy. I was way too stressed. I was constantly trying to reason with Mm -hmm. myself. And I wasn't getting anywhere. And I knew that I was doing something that was productive. But at the same time, I was investing so much time, effort, and energy into a no-go that I should have done better for myself, but I didn't. Yep. And I, I just, I didn't stand up for myself. And 
I think I think anybody listening to this podcast, male or female, can probably relate to that as well because we've all been in that situation where we knew it wasn't ideal and we knew it wasn't mm-hmm. healthy, but we also weren't ready to throw in the towel because right. especially in the hospitality business, we are we are survivors. I mean, we mm-hmm. put up with incredible amounts of crap. Your because host. we're like, exactly. We're mm-hmm. like, someone's at my house party. I'm going to make them happy no matter what. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's that mentality that draws the extroverts to the industry. But it's also one of those things where you do it at your own expense. Like there's yep. no, there's no payback on that. There's no, you know, return on your emotional, mental, physical investment. And it's just, it can be challenging, but you're also not going to just give up. You're, we're fighters. And right, right now we're seeing it, especially, I mean, restaurants, restaurants, the owners, the people that work in it, they're fighters. They're looking for ways to change and do and, something. And I think that that is the right fight. I think that they are doing the right things. And I am absolutely oh so grateful. And so, you know, we, we do order out and it's actually funny. My um, 21 year old son is trapped with us, which is a whole nother story. He's so thrilled about that. <laughs> oh, I know. I was, I, I was <laughs> talking to my sister about that today. I was like, I have a friend whose son turned 21 <laughs> yeah. in the most yeah. inopportune of times. <laughs> exactly. There's no but power we... hour. <laughs> There's none, but you know, we, um, we order out and my husband and son and I actually end up ordering three different from three different places a lot because it's like, why not? Yeah. You know, why not? And there's things that we like and there's, you know, let's, let's do it. Let's, you know, support the businesses that we want to be there. And so we do that regardless. And that is not a, you're right. That's not a gender specific. That's a moment in time and community. Yeah. No, we're all, we're all dying to get back yep. to restaurants, especially those of us. Totally. In the business. And yeah. we do a lot of takeout and I'm like, what do y'all feel like? Do you want sushi? Do you want pho? Do you want crawfish? Do you want Mexican? What do you want? <laughs> what, what are we having tonight? What are we doing? Honestly, I get tired of cooking dinner and breakfast every single day. And it's not always possible to, you know, plan a meal. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. my grocery bills have increased, obviously. But my dining out budget is leaving plenty <laughs> of extra room. Because, oh my God, we were eating out like three meals a day for the family. Mm. And now yeah. we're not. And it's kind of a hassle to do takeout. And I don't want to do a DoorDash or an Uber Eats because... I want the money to go directly to the restaurant and the people that are still working. So Mm -hmm. it's like a matter of like driving to the place and doing the pickup just so we put more money in their pocket because the Uber and the DoorDash, they're all going to come back. Right. But yeah, restaurants may not. And that is my concern. Like how can I benefit the restaurants and their frontline and back of house employees that are hourly and not making a ton anyway, (laughs) Yeah. And, now, and I'm like, let's always just tip really generously. We're tipping exactly. way more on takeout than we ever did before. Absolutely. So are we. And it's the right yeah. thing to do. It's Absolutely. like, I'm happy to do that. I, yeah. I feel like it's a social responsibility. If you can afford to do takeout, mm-hmm. 
do it, do it. as often as possible and tip egregiously. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, so here's here's my random question that's always hard for people to answer. Um, but it always gives so much insight into the character of the human and the caliber of their strength as a human. But what would you want the listening audience to know about you? There's a couple of things. Um, and I'm, you know, I have been thinking a lot about this lately. Um, I want them to know, you know, one is when I was working and, you know, very driven in a corporate situation, I was told oftentimes I was, people were afraid of me. They, you know, I wasn't very approachable. And I look back at that now and think, oh, my gosh, you know, I was I was so, you know, hurried and wrapped up in my own whatever. You know, now I think, oh, my gosh, I the thing that I uh, the other thing I wish I could change is I had stopped and listened. And so now I kind of think about me is that I'm absolutely approachable. I'm absolutely I'm always looking for other stories of bold women. You know, that we can promote. Yeah. And that, um, and that, you know, I, you know, I talked about, I was, I had a successful career and all of those things, but so can you. And I am convinced that everybody kind of owns that destiny. Yeah. And, you know, I, I have been fortunate to be able to navigate it but I am very open to helping people do that yeah and you know I'm also you know I'm just as terrified as everyone doing those things you and know that's the other piece that I, is, I'm real that is huge <laughs> because like looking at you from my perspective I admire you and I'm like, she's probably not afraid of anything. She probably <laughs> suffers zero confidence issues. She just stands up for herself all the time because she stands up for others and she knows who she is. But the human aspect that we often forget when looking at others is that we all suffer the same human condition and that is the wavering or constant, in some cases, moments of self-doubt and questioning. Absolutely. You know, I every day go, really, you know, today I was thinking, I wonder if, if you really want to talk to me. I mean, really? Of course. Am I, I that do. interesting? <laughs> you know, but yes, that's you the thing, you know, it's some of that imposter stuff every day yeah. because you're never sure. And I think that, you know, people see people who, you know, are doing, you know, things that are interesting or successful people and they think they can't possibly have that self-doubt. And I do. And that, we all you know, do. every yeah. single day and have to work through the, you know, am, is this going to be good enough? Is this the right thing? Am I, you know, am I still moving forward or is this good or bad? And so I am just as afraid as everyone else every day. I love that. That's but, so humanizing. Yeah. And yeah. that's, that's a point I reached in the past few years too, is just admitting that I still suffer from imposter syndrome and I still require validation from others um, mm -hmm. because it helps me build to benefit others. It helps me reach my goals that benefits others. 
But mm-hmm. if I'm not coming clean with it, then I'm just a farce, right? I'm just an imposter right. anyway. So I might as well just be open and honest about it because it's, it's like I said, a human condition. We all go mm-hmm. through it. Um, so thank you for being honest and answering that question so well because I think that that is a key takeaway so that people know you're not alone and you're not unique in your flaws. You're human and embrace yeah. it because that flaw can be a strength. The second you embrace it, you own it, you walk in it, you live in it. It's just one of those things where it makes you a more beautiful and well-rounded human. In my opinion, I'm not a therapist, but you know. <laughs> Me neither. But you know what? We're all human. And exactly. if, we can, if we can recognize that, we're all good. Yeah. Absolutely. So if people yeah. want to learn more about you or be bold now, um, get in touch with you to get involved, especially in be bold now. I think that's a, mm-hmm. that's a brilliant thing. How do you want people to reach you? Because I will, not, you say it here, but I'll of course put your links in your bio too. Sure. Um, so be to get a hold of Be Bold now. Our site is b b o l d n o w dot com. Mm-hmm. So very funny. The person who owns B as in B E Bold is a hemp dealer, not us. So nice. Just, and he won't Wait, give up the site. So hemp or yeah. weed? Hemp. Oh. Okay. Yeah. I know weed. I would kind of have more respect for him for that. But anyway, I know, right? So, what making paper explode? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But so um Um that is an easy way or um I am reachable directly, Kate at bboldnow.com mail. Um or Twitter at at Eisler Kate. Okay, perfect. Any of the above. Yeah, awesome. and we, I, I would love to get your audience involved. We're always looking for bold stories and a way to support one another. And I'm so thrilled that you allowed me this time. Thank you so much. Oh, my gosh. I'm so grateful that you would give me your time. Are you kidding? <laughs> I'm really excited. And honestly, I you know, you think about the 60 plus women that are part of the Witty Group, I I know they would love to get involved. They're all really excited to meet you um, and to, you know, enjoy the witty experience with you and learn from you. But I think that I, uh, there's going to be a significant amount of women that really want to get involved because obviously they're already involved with witty. They might, they might as well get involved with an even a bigger foundation, right? Because, you know, that's, that's, I would love it. Yes, let's. Yeah, that's perfect. I, I love too. that, and we can list their businesses in the take action, for sure. That's perfect. I mean, these are yep. these are global companies. These are not like small yeah. organizations. Mm-hmm. But yep. if each woman is so empowered to make change in her circle, she is also empowered and looking for the opportunity to make change in the world. That's and that's it. the beauty of this tribe. Um, mm-hmm. And that's one of the reasons I'm so proud of it too, is because I just, I found like all these soul sisters. It's just amazing. I'm like, where was my life before this? I can't even remember. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Well, 
I my fingers are crossed that we get to have the conference because I think it's yeah. important, as you said, to bring people together again. So I'm hoping that that is the time we can do it. So wait to the very last second. I am. I am. I we all need really solid hugs right mm-hmm. now. We, we missed that. We missed mm. that. And not like elbow bumps, like actual hugs. It, it, we'll wear masks <laughs> if we have to. Yes. So we're going to be hugging. <laughs> there will and be celebrating. a of laughter. Exactly. Yes. There will be toasts, laughter, and lots of hugs, maybe with face masks. I don't know. I like it. I but like thank it. you so much again. I really appreciate it. And thank you all for tuning in to Lawler Out Loud, Mixing Up the Mainstream.